This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. Hey, and uh, hey, we're doing another podcast about movies. Danielle, what's up? Not much is up. Yeah. I feel like I don't have much to report. Um, I had a a journey to find coffee on Sunday morning, Ooh. which was I, I only mentioned because it's like it was shockingly it took a shockingly terrific amount of time for me to get a <laughs> cup of coffee on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, do this for me, because I always feel like I can visualize where you're at. Um, right. But you say you're like an hour from New York City. So. You're, but you're in a very rural area, right? Yes, very rural. Okay, so is there, there have to be coffee shops though, right? Are, are there or not? Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is the thing. Like there's, there's, if you want your chain coffee, you've got Dunkin' Donuts in my town. Okay. But there are lots of like several, you know, several small, small owned businesses, um, you know, in the downtown Main Street area. Okay. One of those is completely off limits because the owner was at the insurrection <gasps> and like possibly took part in it. Oh, so my I don't go there. God. <laughs> yeah. OK. <laughs> Understood. So my option is then limited to three places, Dunkin Donuts and two local. One is a restaurant that serves coffee. One is a coffee shop okay. that serves like dessert. Um, it's Sunday, and again, all of this would be solved if I had a kitchen and could make my own fucking coffee in my house. Right. I cannot do that right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to go out for coffee. So it's Sunday. I figure I'm going to get a nice coffee. It was a beautiful day. Could not be more gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And um, I drive to Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, you know what? That's going to hit the spot. I want a Dunkin' Donuts, iced coffee, milk and sugar. It's going to be like my treat for the whole day. Yeah. When I tell you that Dunkin Donuts was closed and this is like 11 o'clock yeah. on a Sunday morning, mm, mm. they were so closed that they had signs up that were like, we're hiring, but not until next week. Like, they wow. were a fully running years long operation that just closed for a week for no reason. And I didn't know that. I don't know if they were cleaning. I don't know if they were reorganized. I have no idea what they were doing, why they were closed, but they were just closed. And I could not recover. Let me just say that. <laughs> okay. I have to admit something to you right now. I I'm not saying that this is the reason why they were closed, but I used to work at Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know if I told you that. No. Um, that was my, my very first job ever <gasps> when I was 15. It was literally like... The um the weekend after I turned 15, my dad was like, all right, you ready to go start applying for jobs? I was like, damn, I just fucking turned 15. OK, so we drove around my town. I probably like within the 20 minutes of us leaving the house, I ended up with an application at Dunkin Donuts. I was hired like two hours later and the next weekend I started working at Dunkin Donuts. So I've effectively been employed like a week after, um, you know, I turned 15 or whatever. So holy shit. When I was working at Dunkin Donuts, I worked myself up to the manager. I had, I was <gasps> a key holder. I was a key holder. I don't know if it was a manager, but I definitely own keys. That's still a lot of responsibility. Damn. It is a responsibility. Yes. And I, uh, normally took it pretty seriously, but uh, there was a couple times where I was working with my friend Mikey and we were like, hey, um, 
what do you say we close down the restaurant and go to the mall? <gasps> Millie. And we did that. Like, yeah, we did it a couple times. Um, ah! <laughs> and it was literally it, it, like a Sunday at 1130 or 2 p.m. It was like in the middle of the day. To be fair, you were teenagers. <laughs> and what do I always say? What do I always say? You leave a teenager in charge. You get what you get. Exactly. Yeah. In, in retrospect, it's totally not. Whoever hired me shouldn't have hired me and my 15 year old friends. Obviously. <laughs> but I want to offer that as a possible explanation as to why the fucking Dunkin Donuts was closed at a very crucial moment of a Sunday where people need coffee. I would accept that, except it was literally closed for a week. Oh, OK. <laughs> a week straight. And I'm like, okay. unless they fucked off for the whole week, which is possible. <laughs> Somebody really had a Ferris Bueller's day off. They had like a Ferris Bueller's week off. They were like, fuck it. We're not open this place. And they took every single employee with them. Yes. <laughs> like they were rolling so deep in Dunkin Donuts money that they took every employee with them on their rumspringer. <laughs> which I would love. I would love to hear that story. Yes, yes, but yes. So, there's, so I'm like, all right, no Dunkin' Donuts here. There's a Dunkin' Donuts six miles away in the next town over. Okay. Because that's what I was craving for that day. I'm like, I'm going to get that particular kind of iced coffee. Yes. Go over to the next town. Guess what is also closed for <gasps> no fucking reason? Two Dunkin' Donuts closed. What? Dose Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> closed. And then I was like, well, I could drive to the big town, which is 30 minutes away, where like the Target and all that shit is. But I'm not going to do that at this point. I cannot drive 30 minutes without coffee. Like I can't. I'm, yes. I'm malfunctioning at this point. Yes. So I decide to go back to town towards my town. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to get Dunkin' Donuts today. And it's fine. I'm going to get a regular coffee from my little local place. Can't go to the insurrection place. Wow. <laughs> So I go to the rest. I looked <laughs> to the restaurant that I like. It's, you know, I don't want to sit down to eat, but I always love their coffee. I can go grab it and go. I go in and, or I try to go in and there is no parking anywhere because it's Sunday. So it's the farmer's market in the parking lot. That is where they put the farmer's market is in the town parking lot mm. off of Main Street. <laughs> and every other space is taken because People are driving up here in droves to pick fucking apples. Oh, no. The apple pickers. <laughs> the streets are teeming with families and double wide strollers and fucking nanas and like people I've never <laughs> seen before in my fucking life. And I was like, oh, my God, it fucking hit me like I live in a tourist town. I cannot leave my house or enjoy my own town on the weekends anymore. Yeah. That's not how it works anymore. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't stop at the two spots in town. And I couldn't stop at the insurrection place. And I refuse to go to Burger King for coffee. <laughs> True. Don't do that. Desperation, not that deep. So then I thought, all right, I'm going to drive out towards town. The, I'm going to drive out of town the other way. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to hit up my favorite farm stand. Farm stand will have me covered. Uh -oh. I try to go to the farm stand. And if you thought town was mayhem, it was like. Death race five. Like it was like I can't even tell you how many fights I saw just driving by the parking lot. Like people just yelling about like I was going to park, and then there's like kids throwing pumpkins in the air and like fucking apples whizzing by. Like it was chaos, and I was like, nope, not doing that. Can't go to the farm stand for coffee. When I tell you that I had to drive to New Jersey for coffee on Sunday morning. It sounds incredibly dramatic, but I live right like I live right on the New Jersey border, so it's truly only 15 minutes away. Yeah. But I enjoy saying I had to drive to New Jersey for coffee. I mean I mean, first of all, that story gave me anxiety many times. <laughs> okay. When like after the second Dunkin' Donuts being closed, I was like, oh shit. Like strap the fuck in. This is gonna be a fucking trial. I'm nervous for her. Yeah. But then you add all of the fucking merriment, the fall merriment aspects of it being like, oh, I can't access this essential good that I need to start my day. Yes. Because of like fall 
fucking festival antics. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, this could, this is potentially infesting everywhere you live. Like it could be 30 miles north, 30 miles south yep. in every direction where you're not going to find a place to get coffee. I'm get, I was getting real nervous. Yeah, I now have to basically on Friday nights get large iced coffees without ice for the weekend because I cannot leave my house on the weekends. I totally forgot when I lived here and I was growing up here. It wasn't as bad as it is now, but we had some of this. Like I was like, all right, apple picking seasons just sucks. Get out of town when you can yeah. like whatever. But now that I am an adult who has like errands to run. Yeah. I can't with these Apple folks. I can't with the Apple folks. I can't do it. Go to a grocery store. Just go to ShopRite. They've got bags of fresh apples there from the orchard down the road. Like, just go to ShopRite. I, I have to be able to, like, get medicine if I need it. Instead of going through the throngs of you and all your children and your merriment and looking at the leaves and the trees. I'm just, I'm a grouchy, scroogey bitch all throughout the fall. And I know I'm going to be this way because I cannot get simple, basic, life-sustaining coffee <laughs> because everyone wants to come up here and look at a goddamn tree. <laughs> like, here's what I'll say about this type of stuff. I, I'm not going to lie. When I see my own nephews at a fucking pumpkin farm, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the cutest thing in the world. OK, <laughs> beyond that, I'm like. Y'all can keep that shit, right? Because it's like, if it doesn't involve my blood relatives, then I kind of don't care about a pumpkin farm slash apple orchard slash fall festival. Yeah. Because you're right. It does create a lot of chaos for people. And really, it's like most people go because they want to take fucking pictures for Instagram. Yeah. Like, does anybody really be like, oh, my God, these apples are so incredible. You can only get them at this one place that has fucking head cut out boards where you can have your children put their heads in the fucking farmer's tractor or whatever. I guarantee those apples are rotting on somebody's table right now. <laughs> and I couldn't get coffee. So you could go get those apples that are rotting in your goddamn fruit bowl right now. <laughs> Nobody's like, I need that apple from that one place an hour from here. <laughs> And they should treat this shit like they do at Christmas. You line up, you take your fucking picture, you get in your car and you go home. Yes. It should definitely be like a fucking Christmas story scenario where there's like grumpy elves, like grumpy scarecrows that are like, all right, who's next? Get the kid on the pumpkin. Let's go. Sign me the fuck. I will be the grumpiest elf of all time. I'll be like, you don't even like pumpkins. This kid doesn't even get him out of here. Like, I'll be like a bouncer, the bouncer at the pumpkin patch. <laughs> a bouncer at a pumpkin patch. I <laughs> could. <laughs> Bye. But yeah, I'm totally grouchy. And I'm like, oh, I understand why people want to come here. It's beautiful. That's why I bought a fucking house and moved here. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck, dude? Well, and that's the thing about tourist towns. Full-time residents are like, fuck this shit. Like, we're just trying to, like, do our fucking errands, right? Ugh. And now we got all this other shit to contend with. And honestly, your situation with trying to find a coffee, ooh. It was, it was a very precarious situation. I did have to drive to another state to get coffee. I cannot <laughs> wait for my fucking kitchen to be done. And now I know that I have to plan on being housebound and shut in every weekend until people get this apple shit out of their system. <laughs> and it's not even like it used to be. We're like, oh, apples are only available this time of year. No, we're monsters. We made everything available all year round, all the time now. That's true. You can get a fucking lime in the middle of January. You can get a pineapple <laughs> in, in April. Like nothing matters anymore. Yeah. You have apples all year round. I'm livid. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, like, you need a you need a plan B. Like, I'm thinking, does, wait, does your refrigerator work? Is your refrigerator running? My refrigerator is running. OK. And I'm getting iced coffee from the local place without ice. Oh. I'm going to get two big ones and just put them in my fridge. Yeah. Every Friday. I was going to say in a pinch, like, I think a lot of gas stations now sell like gross, like pre-made iced coffee jugs that, you know, you can 
put in your refrigerator. You have to probably dilute it with a lot of water. It's not great, but in a pinch. How dare you? I know. How dare you? I know. I'm just saying. Millie! Emergency situation. I have one singular joy in my life on a day-to-day basis, and it's fucking coffee. (laughs) I refuse to treat my guts to gas station swill. (laughs) You don't want pre-creamed vanilla hazelnut iced coffee mixes. Wait, let me make my (laughs) carrot puke sound. Listen, you're talking to a no bigger coffee stop. <laughs> That's one of the things that I think bonds us together is the fact that we are fucking into coffee big time and we're snobs about it. That's what I love about you. I love it. I fucking love it. It pains me to have suggested that. However, treat this as if it was a natural disaster. Yes. The natural disaster is people's fucking families and their Instagram accounts and prepare, you know? You're being rational and I appreciate it. I shouldn't have been so hasty to turn down your gas station option. (laughs) But I get it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But I appreciate how rational you are. I did drive by a gas station that was like any size coffee, 99 cents. And I just like spit out the window. (laughs) Like I would rather drive to another fucking state to get coffee. (laughs) I'm asking you this question legit. What is the worst coffee you've ever had? Do you remember? Hmm. I do. Yeah, I do. And it has to be cross country. Oh, God, what's that big? It's like a huge the TA centers. Oh, yeah. The travel. I I know exactly what you're talking about. They have them in Florida. Yep. When I was driving out to old Alaska and just thought I'll drive through the night. I'll save some time. I'll drink some coffee. And I got a coffee from the TA rest stop place and I basically would have been better off just like renting a toilet. Yeah. (laughs) That shit ran through me. So it was so bitter to taste. I could not put enough milk or sugar in it. Too bitter and just genuinely ran through me. I was like this 20 something year, like early 20s young woman on her own in the dark at like 2 a.m. driving, looking for a bathroom and being like, if I stop, I'll get murdered. But if I don't stop, I'm shitting my pants in my car. So the worst cup of coffee for taste, but also for the situation it put me in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds terrible. What about you? I I can remember it like it was fucking yesterday, man. (laughs) Like I was in Asheville, North Carolina with my two friends. I was in my 20s. We we decided to go up to Asheville and just kind of like go hiking and do some shit. And uh, we stayed at this extremely cheap motel. Um, (laughs) It wasn't like it wasn't like a Laura Palmer situation (laughs) but it was you know it was it was sort of clean it it was like a little bit better than you know a twin peaks motel but it's again sounds a little bit like your situation where it was like a sunday it was past a certain time so nothing is open then everything is like super far away and so i was like well i really want some coffee i guess i'm gonna have to make the coffee that's in the motel room oh and lord have mercy i was like that thing has probably been sitting there since 1976 i tried to put that powdered (laughs) creamer in it that comes with the napkin and the stir in that plastic wrap thing you know what i mean brutal and single-use plastic no thanks yes it was and and I barely it was barely enough. I mean, I would say it was probably eight ounces. It didn't give me much. And I was like, I don't even know if I could drink this. Like, I'm desperate for coffee. I'm in my 20s, so I have no taste. Oh. But I'm like, even now, I, I don't think it, it was it was awful. And I, I remember it like always because it was truly the grossest cup of coffee I've ever had. That is. Oh, God. Yeah. I could feel so many parts of that story in my body as you were saying it <laughs> yes <laughs> well hopefully you will not have to deal with something like that now you know you have to be prepared now you know the orchards are on fire oh my god and you gotta you gotta come up with a plan b so the orchards are too hot and it's does i'm good i'm gonna get myself through orchard season but then i know that fucking christmas is right around the corner and that shit doesn't need any better because people are all like oh my god look at the little church with the lights it's i live in it's too quaint where i live is too quaint yes we need to dial down the quaint factor by a lot so that i can 
move around. Yeah. I'm I'm wily. I like to bob and weave. I'm shifty. And I can't be shifty here because everyone wants to stop and talk about the fucking signpost. And I can't help it. I'm like, I don't want to do this. You're going to have to start spreading rumors that like there's ghosts or some shit or like there's like hauntings or. Oh, yeah. You know, witch activity or heavy metal kids like burning fucking bonfires or something. There's going to be some sleepy hollow shit. It's going to be some sleepy hollow level ghost stories where I'm like, don't come here. But hey, knowing those assholes, they will be like, hell yeah, let's go. Bring it. I love a ghost. Yeah. More more people will come for the ghost stories. They'll be like, I can eat an apple and see a ghost. Fucking great weekend. Oh, my God. I have to get over it. I won't. You cannot win. It's my, it's my own fault. I, I did it to myself. It's my own fault. Here we are. But you know what I loved about this weekend? What? Aside from not being able to get any coffee on Sunday until almost one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I loved the movies we watched this week for this episode. Oh, my God, I did too. <laughs> I have to say, just for the record, I'm starting to get self-conscious about all of the well, I'll let you say the, the theme first and then I'll tell my story. What's our theme this week? <laughs> oh, my God. It gives me such great pleasure to tell you all the theme for this week is horny for non John Wick Keanu Reeves. <laughs> See, that's so that's what I want to say. I'm starting to get a little self-conscious about the level, the, the amount of horny material we have on the show. Because I am not a horny person in real life. Like, I will, I do not want to date. I don't want any of this shit. And I know horniness doesn't always relate to relationships, but I'm just, just putting it out there. I'm starting to get self-conscious about the amount of horny material because I can see it now in our comments. Someone's going to say, oh, I thought this theme was, you know, crime, crimes against women that are unfounded. And we're going to be like, nope, it's horny. And they're going to be like, you guys are fucking dumb. <laughs> Like, we just guessed like some academic like dissertation level theme and you're like nope it's horny again i know it always pains me when somebody like either on instagram or twitter is like really thinking about it they're like oh my god i'm like really really like trying to connect the dots and they come up with this like incredible you know through line between the two movies and it's something that like is really interesting and complex and then it's like Nah, it ain't that deep. Like when the two of us are like, it ain't that deep. Like you're like, oh God, like it pains me to say that it ain't that deep sometimes. Oh no. But here's the, here's the thing I will say in our defense. Okay. A lot of people think, um, horniness can't exist with like great art. Obviously we proved that beyond the shadow of a doubt with our bracket from earlier this year. But I argue that horniness is inherent to cinema. That's what I say. I say that the screen and watching things on the screen, like you can't sit in a movie theater and watch Keanu Reeves be like 20 feet tall and not feel a little something. I don't care who you are. Yeah, this is true. And that is what the cinema does. It causes us to desire things. Okay. You know what? I'm fine to blame it on cinema. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm back. Yes. I'm ready the to movies go. movies made us horny. <laughs> it's not our fault. <laughs> I'm sitting here in my non-horny life and then I have to do homework for this podcast and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oops. <laughs> it's the movies. They do it to us. But I also, I'm really excited about how dirtbaggy Keanu Reeves is in both of these films. Oh my God. This is what I love. I, this is like what I was really interested in this week because, okay, we're saying it's non-John Wick because that's an inside joke, obviously, between Danielle and I because we bring up John Wick like every fucking week. <laughs> the, tr the John Wick trilogy is essentially pornography to the both of us. And your mom. Like, we talk about <laughs> it a lot, okay? And we talk about Keanu Reeves a lot. I think you know this about us. So we were like, okay, let's talk about Keanu Reeves, but we're not allowed to talk about John Wick. And then we both came to the table with two movies where he's basically the same dude. <laughs> oh, God. Like, he's definitely on the dirtbag scale on both movies. There was so, he has done so many movies. We had so much to pick from. And we both were like, how about this movie where he's as gross as possible? Well, 
I have to say, I know you're going first this week. Your movie brought me so much fucking joy <laughs> that I just, I don't even know where to put these feelings because I don't think I've seen it since it came out, which meant that when I did see it, I was really young. I was probably about 10 or 11 and it brought back so many feelings of like my parents and yes. being Italian and like all this shit. I mean, it's like <laughs> I loved your movie so much and I just cannot wait to hear about it from you. I just cannot. Well, let's not wait. Let's get into it because my movie for this week for the theme of Horny for non John Wick Keanu Reeves is released in 1990 was directed by Lawrence Kasdan, was written by John Costmayer, and it's I Love You to Death. Divorce him, no, never. I've seen dead first. Good. He deserves to die. Rosalie! Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> this movie, I swear! I love that you picked it. I love that you picked it. I have such fond memories of this movie being just as bonkers as it actually is. Yeah. First and foremost, you're going to have to suspend disbelief a little bit because Kevin Klein is playing a very Italian man named Joey Boca. <laughs> yes, Kevin Klein is that good. He can play Cole Porter and Joey Boca. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, he is got that Italian accent, which is... I gotta say, it's very interesting. <laughs> it comes in and out sometimes. <laughs> it's but very interesting. I, I want to say this for the record, too, just like right off the bat, because I knew we were going to talk about him as an Italian guy in this movie. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if, I, if anybody out there is a fan of like 60s Italian film. Like there is a film from the early 60s called Mafioso, and it's... Ooh. um this Italian comedy and um, it was directed by this Italian filmmaker named Alberto Latuada and Alberto Sorti, who is the actor that is in that movie looks exactly <gasps> like Kevin Klein in I love you to death, or I should say oh Kevin Klein in I love you to death looks exactly like um, Alberto Sordi in Mafioso. And it's a, it's also a comedy about families and about, you know, the mafia or whatever. And so there's a moment where I thought, I wonder if this is what he's channeling as he's channeling this like 60s Italian comedic nice. actor or whatever. And um, I the minute I made that connection, I was like, this is so awesome. I love it. Even if it's not intentional, the fact that he looks exactly like him is great. I absolutely love that connection, and I would not put it past someone as studied as Kevin Klein. Yes, to do that. Yes, I really, and I'm saying that with all seriousness. The man is a gem. I had my sexual awakening watching this movie when he was tossing pizza in the <laughs> beginning. He is in my heart forever. They filmed some scenes of In and Out another movie that he was in with Joan Cusack and a bunch of other people. Um, they filmed some scenes at a church in my town when I was in high school. And I knew even then, I'm like, I can't get anywhere near this man. I'm too young to go to jail for the rest of my life. <laughs> you had your sexual awakening to Kevin Klein as an Italian guy flipping pizzas. Possibly wow. this movie or the January man, but he was definitely involved. Let's just say that. <laughs> I saw him in one of those films and I was like, yes, men are OK. <laughs> wow. I love it. I love to hear it. So this film, I'll give you my little one sentence synopsis before we get into the plot and talking about this film. So this is a movie based on a true story of a woman who, after catching her philandering husband in the act commits herself to trying to kill him and it takes nearly five times. <laughs> so just again, run through this incredible cast. Yes. Kevin Klein's playing Joey. Tracy Ullman plays Rosalie, his wife. Um, Joan Plowright plays Mama Naja, her mother. Ugh. Joan Plowright is a dream, a vision, stunning, hilarious. Um, 
River Phoenix, rest in peace, King, plays Devo, who is an employee of the pizza shop that Joey owns. William Hurt and Keanu Reeves play Harlan and Marlon, two guys who are hired to kill Joey. God. And when I tell you that William Hurt, Academy Award winning actor William Hurt, Children of a Lesser God, William Hurt, has never been better. I am not exaggerating. <laughs> has never been. Big chill, William Hurt, has never been better than he was as Harlan in I Love You to Death. Yeah. So <laughs> this film is really interested in the beginning in setting up the, the comic tragedy that is about to follow. Um, so for a long time, you see Joey's life. Like you see the the pizza place where his kids come after school and they sit at the counter and they eat lunch and, you know, drink, have a slice and a Coke. And there's a there's pictures on the wall that made me laugh instantly. I was laughing from the minute this fucking movie started. <laughs> um, you got a picture of JFK, the Pope, Jesus and Mary and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yes. Just like the Holy, there's a Holy Trinity plus Sinatra. <laughs> but I love it. And, you know, it, and Rosalie works there and Devo is like this really um, kind of hippie chill guy. But his brother knows a bunch of people who have been imprisoned. And um, it's just kind of a, a little family family business. And Devo also really loves Rosalie. Like he's into her. Mm-hmm. Um but she loves she loves Joey. And he asks her one day they're sitting down and he's like, what would you do if you found out he was cheating on you? Because he knows he's seen this guy in action. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'd kill myself. And if that didn't work, I'd kill him. So going back for a moment to the real life story <laughs> of this movie. The real life couple um, were were named Tony and Francis Toto, Mm -hmm. uh, and they lived in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And this is where the movie takes place. Um, So, yes. So it's like a Pennsylvania East Coast family. Uh, At the time of the article I read in the Chicago Tribune in 1990, when the movie came out, they were still married. Um, They'd been married for 24 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had four kids, two grandchildren. Um, But she, the real life woman, Frances, went to jail. Uh, She had to plead guilty to two felonies and went to prison for four years. And this article, again, this is a direct quote from the Chicago Tribune. Tony sold the pizza restaurant they owned and found a 40 hour a week job as a printer at a substantial cut in income so he could spend more time with the children while she was away. They were reunited when she was released from prison two years ago. End quote. So (laughs) she she really went to prison. He really waited for her. She really came out and they really stayed together. Wow. That is insane. Yeah. So that is the real life couple (laughs) behind this film. But what happens, it's so unbelievable that it makes it funnier somehow. Um, So essentially, you get this really cute scene of Kevin Klein dancing with his real life wife, Phoebe Cates. um, And (laughs) and Mama Nadja is like at home soldering because she can fix anything. And... Rosalie has gone to this library and seen Joey cheating. So she comes home and she's upset. And Mama Nadja, she, Mama Nadja's trying to like console her, but she, you know, she takes a bunch of Bayer aspirin um, <laughs> and tries to <laughs> kill herself. That doesn't work. So she sets out, she goes forward with her plan of trying to kill him. And her mother is part of the plot to kill this man. <laughs> oh, God. I have to say. So this. This film was actually really heartwarming in so many ways for me, even though, I mean, it's a black comedy, obviously, and uh, there's attempted murder happening. But the relationship between Rosalie and her mother, Uh. I was like, literally like, this is the best mother-daughter relationship I've ever seen on screen. (laughs) Part of me is like, you know what? I think if I was in this situation, my mom would pull some shit like this. My own mother, I think, would actually be like, yeah, let's fucking get this guy who broke your heart you know that moment of like where the mother's like hell yeah let's go i got you know i know how to fix shit (laughs) i'm like i'm a macgyver type and uh i can really get this done for you was like oh my god it made me miss my mom like i was like oh i miss my mom the mom starts singing i got five on it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so 
so good. It's so good. Your mom would totally do. I can see your mom like soldering together a car engine and then like <laughs> taking a bat and trying to kill someone. And that is my highest compliment. I mean that with all of the complimentary juice I can muster. She's got the prison tattoo. She might as well. <laughs> You're going to be uninvited from Christmas if we keep talking about I this know, tattoo. <laughs> But she, so she does. So they try they try to kill him five times. So the first time Mama Naja hires someone, uh, one of her friend's grandsons to swing a bat, <laughs> like try to hit him yeah. with a bat. And he's wearing a Lincoln mask. And it's kind of funny because the guy messes up. And when Joey comes inside, she's like, what did he look like? And he's like, he looked like a blinking coming up to bat. <laughs> <laughs> Then Joey gets a gun for for his own protection. That ends up backfiring. Um, the second time they try to kill him, Mama Naja basically fucks with his car, tries to blow up his car. Doesn't work, thankfully, because Rosalie's in the car with him. Uh, the third time, Rosalie, <laughs> Rosalie decides to spike the tomato sauce that she's making for dinner with two bottles of sleeping pills. Yeah. Just in the tomato sauce, melt them in there. He gets tired. He doesn't die. He gets back on his feet when he like after he takes a dump and he's like, I'm good to go. And she's like, he is inhuman. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) How is this possible? I do not understand how this is possible. And the kids are away for the weekend like she thought enough ahead. But she's basically has to give him like four bowls of pasta. Um, And then she calls Devo and she's like, Devo, I need you to shoot him because he won't he won't die. (laughs) So (laughs) Devo comes over and he's like, this is possibly my favorite River Phoenix scene in this movie where he's like, I have to get myself together. Give me a minute. And he like closes the door and goes into the the den and he's like, all right, get your shit together. And then he comes back. Like that's all it takes like all right get your shit together get your shit together and he comes back out um but devo does devo shoots him in the head and he's still alive he's still walking around he's still saying like i'm sleepy i've got a virus i don't know what happened to me so then here come the warm jets here comes my favorite part oh my gosh so devo decides to hire harlan and marlin to kill joey so he goes down to this bar again, William Hurt and Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves look is so feral in this film. <laughs> but dare I say we are horny for horny for, of course, a yes. terrible taste. This is noted. I love I love a guy that has like his the the sides of his head shaved like indiscriminately. <laughs> yeah, just it looked like it looked like that. Remember um that Mr. Bucket toy or like what was the 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 water wiggle? It looked like a water wiggle was holding on to a razor. That was that's how I can how I describe that haircut. Like he just laid down on the grass under a fucking water wiggle and let that razor go to town. Yeah. But he's so funny cuz they're basically playing like these incredibly drugged out like really 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 drugged out dudes who are very slow moving they take a taxi to the scene of the crime (laughs) (laughs) They, they jump at the slightest provocation everything freaks them out they are the one of the greatest tag team duos in the in the 90s for sure for this movie alone even though i know that river phoenix and keanu reeves have done more movies together this is my favorite pairing oh my gosh Totally. And they, they have such different energies. I mean, it's like the thing where they're like, you know, obviously they're somehow connected. I mean, he, you know, Devo knows these two fucking chuckleheads, but <laughs> the fact that they're both in the same movie and they're both kind of like, like Keanu is definitely more of like, he's definitely a groter as I would call them. I don't know if anybody <laughs> listened to the heavy metal episode, but he was like a, a classic groter and uh river phoenix was more of like kind of a hippie spiritual guy yeah. is so great <laughs> oh god it's beautiful it's and of course they all get caught of course they all get caught because as yeah. soon as so they shoot him again but harlan and marlin don't know what side of the body the heart is on oh my god so they shoot him in the wrong <laughs> they shoot him in the wrong side and <laughs> that, that part where 
to figure it out is so good. It's so good. Oh, God. And when they, they shoot him at the wrong side and he just comes like stumbling downstairs. And so they get paid for half the job because they didn't kill him. They just woke him up is what River Phoenix says, what Devo said. Oh, no, it was Mama Naja. Mama Naja is like, you just woke him up. So they get paid for half the job. But then they go to the bar and they start bragging about how they killed Joey Boca for $5,000, which is not true. None of it is true. Right. Um, so, of course, the cops come. All hell breaks loose from that point forward. Uh, but it is this movie is just so funny and it's such a weird karmic movie because like he gets what's coming to him, but then you also don't want him to get what's coming to him. Yeah. Like this is like it's, an, it's such an extreme reaction, but it's just so interesting to see see her kind of have a plan, use her mother as her partner in crime to go through with it. <laughs> on the screen i think i don't think she used her mother in real life but on the screen and then to just go for it like she tried it and i i love that they're still together i love that that they worked it out yeah made it through the wilderness um <laughs> but this movie is just a delight it's really a good movie to put on if you just want to laugh there's so many parts that are so funny yeah i i i truly feel like this is a type of movie that I just don't see very much anymore. And it just made me nostalgic for that, for these comedies yeah. that like, this is something that we would have definitely rented at the video store. I know yeah. for a fact, my dad would have loved to see it because he loves people doing imitations of Italian guys. It's just like <laughs> what he loves. I almost called him after the, I watched the movie today. Cause I was basically like, dad, do you remember that Kevin Klein movie where he plays the Italian guy and he'd be like, oh, yeah, we got to put that on again. Woo. Yeah, this was a that was a classic. The, ne the next time you go to visit, you should change his um, ringtone to, to Kevin Klein from this movie going Rosalie. <laughs> yes. And it, it oh, it just reminded me of when of the high Tracy Ullman era and when she was mm. in movies and she was on TV all the time. Oh, so wonderful. A classic, a banger. Yes. And Keanu in this film, you know, despite the fact that he looks fucked up, <laughs> still horny for, right? He's so cute. So cute. He's so cute. I don't, that's, the man has a charm, a power about him because he could not look worse in this film. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, I love that Kevin Klein, like, is coming around the back gate kind of like oh sneaking into you know sneaking into your brain and your heart like kevin Klein with a mustache <laughs> oh just took up residence in my heart has been renting space for free since 1989 88 <laughs> like ready to go with kevin Klein at all times <laughs> i just love that this might have been the movie that um exploded your loins as a as a young person so also i love pizza i love pizza what's better kevin klein and pizza get out of here hello i am so glad you picked this movie it was truly a joy to watch again i Aww. loved it i loved being in the world it was so cozy and wonderful and reminded me of being a kid it was great. Oh, that's the best. I love that. Well, I, I felt similarly about yours, but in a very weird way. <laughs> Reminded me of being a kid in a very weird way. I mean, yeah, maybe a few years go by and you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm no longer hanging out with my mom and dad on a Friday night. Now I'm hanging out with like the people that smoke cigarettes in my high school. <laughs> quite quite a different uh feeling but nostalgic Ooh. nonetheless as danielle just pointed out oh my goodness so my movie for the theme horny for non-john wick keanu reeves is a movie that was released in 1986 it was written by neil jimenez directed by tim hunter and it's called river's edge you don't understand a goddamn thing, do you? Jamie is dead, damn it. And there's nothing that we can do to save her. Now I happen to like Jamie, but John is still alive. 
Don't you see that? All right. So I'm going to do the one sentence synopsis right now. Go for it. I'm going to get it out of the way. A group of high school aged thrash metal stoners living in California are rocked to the core after finding out one of their friends has murdered his girlfriend and each have their own disturbing ways of processing it. Solid. Yep. Just had to say it on top because everything that I just said is going to inform the rest of what I'm about to say. It's going to (laughs) happen. So I will say up front that River's Edge is a fictionalized account of an actual murder that happened in the early 80s. Um, But I want to say, I think the, the one of the most interesting things about River's Edge is the idea that this movie was out in a time, 1986, 1987, that was absolutely the height of the teen movie craze, like the John Hughes era. I mean, it's mm. like you had Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off in 86, Some Kind of Wonderful was in 87. I mean, I don't need to go on. But also, weirdly enough, you also had Stand By Me that came out in 86, which is another movie about kids who are going to look at a dead body, weirdly enough. Um, But even still, I will argue that Stand By Me is not even as dark as River's Edge. Okay, no, I feel like River's Edge is still a really disturbing movie to me to this day. And I think part of that is because of the type of kids this movie is about, which, yes, obviously. Definitely not like a Molly Ringwald and her friends type of vibe, right? (laughs) (laughs) The kids in this movie are legit, scary, very authentic. They were like the burnouts, the pill heads, like the heavy metal punk kids. Mm -hmm. And you just did not see a lot of that in this era. Well, these kids hung out with adults. Like when teens hang out with adults, I'm always freaked out. Oh, my God. I'm like, that teen is is too much for me already. They know some shit that I don't know. Yeah. And it wasn't like even, I mean, there are some characters in the John Hughes universe that are that type, you know, like the kind of like, you know, heavy metal guy or, you know, like I think of, you know, Charlie Sheen in Ferris Bueller or Mm -hmm. some of the kids in some kind of wonderful, that is not even them. Like these kids (laughs) go way harder than any of those characters even. So, like I said, this film takes place in California. It's about a group of high school kids. There's a kid named Matt who is played by Arbois, Keanu Reeves. Uh, his younger brother, Tim, who is played by Joshua John Miller. Tim, who was also in Teen Witch. Yes. He's the one that says, you're a dog, Louise, a dog. And he was in the Halloween franchise. I mean, Joshua John Miller is a king. He's a cult movie yes. king. We love him. Um, You got Matt's friend Lane, who is played by Crispin Glover. Definitely more about him in just a moment. There's not enough tape. Definitely not. We don't even have enough time to cover (laughs) this full scope of Lane in this film. Then you've got the two girls that hang out with the guys. So there's Clarissa, who's played by Ioni Sky, Maggie, who is played by Roxana Zoll. And finally, you have Samson. John Sampson, who is played by Daniel Roebuck, and he is the friend that has committed the murder of his girlfriend, okay? And by and large, the actors who are in this movie were pretty much unknown at the time or were just starting their careers. I mean, Crispin Glover would probably have been the most famous one. He had just been in Back to the Future like a year or two prior, so he was probably the most famous one out of the kids, really. But Definitely an early Keanu role for sure. Definitely an early Ioni Sky role. And, you know, I think that's part of why this movie seems pretty authentic is because you just have all these new faces and and they seem to be kind of of age. You know, you don't have like 40 year olds playing high school students. You have like (laughs) young people playing these burnouts and they seem very authentic. Yeah. But essentially what happens is that at the beginning of River's Edge, Samson is standing next to the dead body of his girlfriend near the river in this town that they live in. And it's actually Tim, the uh, younger brother of Matt, who sees it all first. And I think Tim is like, his character is really interesting in this movie because he sees a lot of things that nobody else is seeing because he's younger. I mean, I would say he's probably like in middle school. Right. And he's not friends with his brother and his crew although he would love to be 
he just kind of follows them around. And so a lot of like what we end up viewing while watching the movie is kind of through him, through his kind of observations. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But eventually everyone figures out that Samson has killed his girlfriend in Lane, who, like I said, he, he kind of fancies himself the leader of the crew, I guess. He's kind of the first one on the ground assessing the situation, but I got to talk about Crispin Glover in this movie because (laughs) he is the character. I think that everyone talks about when they see river's edge. Right. Right. Cause he's so over the top. Yes. And from what I've read about the movie, like he essentially came to the audition with this whole vibe and they were like, okay, like, I guess you're in this movie cause you're so extremely weird. But like, first of all, there's the accent. Like his, it's like this very extreme, like Callie stoner thing, which is so outrageous. But for me, it's the fucking wig. Okay. Thank you, <laughs> Lord. Like, thank you for mentioning the wig. I swear to God, every time I see this movie, I'm like, who let him wear that wig? <laughs> oh my, like, did he come to set with that? And did he pull it off of a mannequin in a river before he did? <laughs> Dude, there's this moment in the movie where his, he wears this like knit cap. Right. That's like on top of the wig. And there's this moment where he's in a scuffle and the cap comes off and you could really see how jacked up this wig is. And I'm like, what the fuck? This wig is insane. The bangs start from like back in the middle of his head. (laughs) It is so outrageous. And I mean, when it comes down to it, like we all know Crispin Glover is one of L.A.'s finest professional weirdos, but this whole performance truly underscores it. It's just like, here it is in plain view. Here's, here's your boy Crispin Glover in this crazy ass wig. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I will say this is all very appropriate for what happens next because Lane essentially consults the town drug dealer about the situation with his friend Samson, as you do, right? The drug dealer is named Feck and is played by Another Hollywood wild man, Dennis Hopper. And honestly, I will just say this. Dennis Hopper playing both Frank Booth in Blue Velvet and Feck in River's Edge around the same fucking time absolutely influenced my perception of him when I was younger, which is that I was terrified of Dennis Hopper. Same, same, same (laughs) across the board. I swear, like... I had to go back as an adult and see Rebel Without a Cause and like Night Tide to just remember that he was actually a professional actor. I couldn't believe it when I saw him in Rebel Without a Cause. I watched it with my grandma one weekend and I'm like, that cannot be the same guy that I saw last weekend dancing around with a blow up doll. Yes. (laughs) Like we have to remember that he was like a legit theatrical trained actor and not like some weirdo that was hired off of Hollywood Boulevard. (laughs) To be in a bunch of 80s movies like you just based off of River's Edge and Blue Velvet. I was terrified of him. Terrified, but completely. But Feck is actually a perfect person to consult because he is a drug dealer. He owns a gun and he also murdered his girlfriend once. Oof. And as Daniel said, now he shacks up with a blow up doll named Ellie. And to me, it's this moment where I'm like, this is outrageous, but also there was always a weird older person in town like this, like right. somebody who's like getting beer or weed for kids. Like I remember a guy like this in my town. I'm sure you do. I'm sure everybody does. Right. Absolutely. And just, just a, just a terrifying component to all this because all these kids are definitely like, you know, interacting with him and he seems very dangerous, but you know, they're all freaked out about what Samson did, even as they're all going to see the body of their friends. Yeah. I mean, this woman who died is their friend. Well, that's what I find really interesting is at one point, Clarissa, Ioni Sky's character says, what makes John more important than Jamie? Wasn't she our friend too? Right. And Lane keeps comparing it to being in a movie where he's like, you know, it's exciting and, you know, interesting and It's just such a disconnect to what's actually happening in reality and how Jamie and her death is being treated. Um, 
And it's really that's one of the things that's turning everyone on their head a little bit is they don't know how to how to respond seemingly because they knew both parties involved. Yeah. And and there's a lot to this, too, because you're right about Lane. It's almost like he dissociates from it by saying like, oh, I feel like Chuck Norris. There's a line where he says, oh, I feel like Chuck Norris right now, which is that he's like that this isn't happening in real life, that he's just like participating in like a drama that's not actually happening or something. Right. And there's a moment where I do think that young people don't have the tools to deal with stressful situations, you know? Yes. And, you know, this is, I'm not saying that that is exactly what is happening, both, you know, in the movie and perhaps in the real crime that it's based off of, but that's what makes the movie dark. Certainly is just that right. these kids are kind of like numb to the situation. And that, like I said, nobody really has the emotional tools to handle it. And they just really get high and drink and have sex to sort of avoid everything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's a really deep sadness in them that just permeates this this whole movie and it's it's sadness that was there before the murder you know it's like they don't have the tools to to communicate their feelings and they don't have the tools to to deal with the violence in their life which is plentiful there's so much violence in their lives yeah i mean both like at home i mean i think with you know the matt and tim character like his mom is works at night and she kind of has this boyfriend that's sort of in and out. And so everybody seems to kind of have, you know, these fairly fucked up home lives. And obviously they do a lot of drugs, they do a lot of drinking, but then also just sort of like, yeah, just being in high school and sort of being like, well, we don't want to snitch on our friend, but then also he killed somebody that we were friends with and we don't know what to do. We feel kind of like, you know, stuck with our feelings. And, you know, I think honestly, at this point in culture, like, I don't know if we necessarily saw a movie like this. I mean, we have certainly seen dark. There have always been dark teen films and there was a lot in the eighties, but like river's edge somehow like really stuck out to me as a movie that was just very disturbingly about kids. And yeah, of course later, like in the nineties, you had really dark teen films like kids and, you know, like the Greg Rocky movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, but Honestly, River's Edge is very grim. It's very much of a time. Um, you know, I would be I would be lying if I said that these kids didn't remind me of people that I knew from high school a little bit. Right. <laughs> That's the plain ass truth. I'm like, oh, I remember guys. I mean, maybe not Lane. No. But I certainly remember guys like Matt. Actually, we 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 had a lane. Now that I remember, we did have a lane. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no. That's all. I'm just, I was like, yeah, no, no, no lane. Then I'm like, no, wait, we did have a lane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, I feel like there was probably a lane too. Maybe not, maybe without the crazy wig and the crazy (laughs) accent, but there was definitely kind of like the leader of the freaks type of person. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, I keep going back to the Joshua John Miller character because that's the, the character that really actually disturbs me the most because yes. he's like in middle school and there are moments of the, of the movie where he's basically like, oh man, I need a joint. Somebody, you know, he, Ugh. he's breaks him and his friend break into Feck's house, which is terrifying. Like, okay. <laughs> but the setup to that scene was fucking hilarious. He sneaks over to this kid's house, knocks on his window and says, Go get your nunchucks and your dad's car. (laughs) Which to me is a marriage proposal. (laughs) Go get your nunchucks and your dad's car. We're going to cause some trouble. Be like, yes, I am there. Have we ever talked about kids in the 80s that were into the martial arts and how that was such a thing? We have it and we need to. We need to dedicate an entire episode to it. Like a kid with nunchucks is the coolest kid on the block as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> to this to this day, to this if I day. see a kid with nunchucks, I'm like, you can have my car. I'll just throw <laughs> the keys at him. You're working on another level. <laughs> but all in all, I mean, 
when it comes down to it, Keanu in this film, okay, pretty much the same look as I love you to death. I mean, maybe not the crazy shaved head, but like he's definitely the guy wearing a hoodie underneath a flannel. You know what I mean? Over a tie dye, (laughs) over a tie dye. You know, it wouldn't be that long after that. He would appear as, you know, Ted Theodore Logan in (laughs) Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. And I just felt like, wow. Okay. Is this the origin story (laughs) for all of these subsequent roles that he was in it's like if you need a stoner yes here's your man and we love him for that we love him for that absolutely i mean is he a pothead in this movie yes will this character also go to a funeral for a doll without missing a beat also yes (laughs) oh my god he is a total sweetheart in this movie yes he that was what i will say to close this out is that Matt's character seems to be the one that has, he seems to be the only one out of his friends that has a conscience, right? Yeah. Um, And he ends up kind of with Clarissa at a certain point of the film. I think they're kind of like, I don't know, trauma bonding in a way, but also, mm-hmm. you know, they're just sort of like teenagers and they're just tr- trying to like know each other and date each other. But it's that thing where you're like, oh, well, if he's the one if there is a moral metronome character, it's probably Matt. It's probably Keanu's character, which, yeah. I mean, you sort of need because otherwise everybody Oof. else in this movie is really fucked up, you know? So bleak. Yeah. So bleak. But I love that you picked this. It's it's such a good movie. And it took me back to a time that I maybe didn't want to go, but I but I was glad I went. Yes. Um, And they have there's so many good lines in this movie that I'd kind of forgotten as well. Like when Lane says, you think this car runs on God's own methane? (laughs) I used to say that to my friends all the time when I started driving. And when the little sister, when when Tim comes back and like basically desecrates the grave of the doll he threw in the river. And the little sister says, he's still killing her. (laughs) honestly i could go so long on this movie because it does there's so many so many things going on it it really is like to me it's a great noir film when it comes down to it um yeah it is so a part of that era of the 80s where people were legit afraid of like heavy metal kids i mean you had the prmc yes. you had like all this stuff going on where guys and girls like this were terrifying in this era. Mm-hmm. And I think it it's what makes the movie so powerful still to this day. And I love it. And Keanu, we salute you in this film. We salute your dirtbag phase. We appreciate <laughs> it. And also this was a nice reminder of the, the fact that Ioni Sky either made out with on film dated or married every single guy I ever had a crush on yes like i bow down to an indie queen oh don't even get me started on clarissa's look i mean it's just like <laughs> i love it such an iconic 80s girl look that i wanted so badly i wanted that like cascade of like curly hair with like a flannel over like a little you know, white undershirt. I just, she was everything to me in this movie. I, I swear. So good. Truly incredible. I'm so glad you picked it. So, oh. Such a good time to go back to such a weird, weird movie. Yes. And I got to tell you, like as a horny four episode, we did a pretty good job. I mean, we weren't like, you know, too crazy, but I think we both, we talked about the movie. We did. We talked about the movies. Hey, we're still intelligent women. Like we can still process. <laughs> thoughts that aren't laden with sexual power well let's see if that's true when you give them the movies for next week (laughs) we can test this theory next week (laughs) so next week's movies are in the mouth of madness from 1994 and the evil dead 1981 so good very spooky what's the theme oh i cannot wait Yeah, very spooky week. Wonder what that theme's going to be. But hey, if you want to email us, if you want to talk about Keanu Reeves, we know you do. Uh, Hit us up at I saw what you did pod at gmail.com. 
You can also find us on our social media at I Saw Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We've also got merch. Getting a bit cold outside. You know you need a hoodie. Um, we're in the Exactly Right shop at exactlyrightmedia.com. And we have a whole bunch of bonus episodes over on Stitcher Premium. You can still use the promo code SAW for a free month. And it really helps us. So thank you for supporting us, those of you who have already signed up. Yes, yes, yes. Danielle, it was inevitable that we were going to do this theme. I'm so glad we finally tackled it. It was such a pleasure. I'm, I'm embarrassed and honored. <laughs> <laughs> simultaneously i've revealed so much so much but i'm honored <laughs> listen if we if we see a theme in the future that is kevin klein as italian guys with mustaches now we know the origin story right i don't, I don't think i can take it again <laughs> i don't think my heart could take it again you're gonna be like the chicken lady just exploding <laughs> feathers everywhere <laughs> goodbye Bye. see you next week This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Alexis Amorosi. Our engineer is Annalise Nelson. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, and Danielle Kramer. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. Email us at Pod at gmail. And please don't forget to listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. 